Welcome to the Victorian Parent Council VPC Parent Podcast Series. VPC is a registered charity organisation dedicated to everyone who support parents in educating their children. I'm Jackie Vanderveld, your host today. Hello and welcome to another Victorian Parents Council live event. This is a recording of an event between Michelle Mitchell, our special guest, and our host, Jackie Vandervelt. And in this episode, they are talking about everyday resilience, a very important topic for children and teens of all ages. We hope you enjoy. So good evening, everybody, and welcome to VPC Live. My name is Jackie Vanderveld, and it's my great pleasure as a friend of VPC to be hosting this uh, conversation in conversation with Michelle Mitchell this evening. Um, Michelle, say hello, because I think you actually have to say something so that your, your face pops up on the screen. Oh, really? Here I am in Queensland, and it's so good to be with you today. My, my genuine, genuine thoughts have been with you guys over the last few days. I've got friends in Victoria as well. And yeah, it's, it's a big, big time for you all. So it's a real privilege to be in your homes tonight. Thanks, Michelle. And, and uh, I'm sort of just letting, letting people in, into, the, into the Zoom as, we, as we're uh, introducing ourselves. But I've got the official, uh, uh, the official bio on Michelle, so I, I will, uh, I'll go through that now. Michelle is an award-winning speaker and best-selling parenting author. She has been termed the teenage expert by the media and is sought after for her compassionate and grounded advice for parenting tweens and teens. Uh, Michelle started her career as a teacher, but soon discovered a special interest in wellbeing. She left teaching in 2000 to found Youth Excel, a boutique health promotion charity, which delivered tailor-made life skills programs, psychological services to thousands of young people and their families. Today, she uses her experience to write and speak in school communities um, community events and through the media. So very welcome, very, very happy and welcome, welcome, welcome again, Michelle. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> uh, we've, we've had some lovely chats this year already. So it's, yeah. um, and, uh, and isn't this just the way of things, you know, 2000, you know, 2020, wow, it just keeps, uh, keeps going. And I think while we're, our conversation tonight is around resilience, uh, this is something, you know, that we're acutely aware of uh, for, for our families and parents in Victoria as, uh, as you're going through this next round of struggles. Um, and we're hoping that the rest of the country is not, is not, for, is not behind you, is uh, not going to be heading the same way, but uh, I'm acutely aware that uh, this conversation and the sorts of things we're talking about tonight could not come at a better time. So, Michelle... There's loads and loads and loads of information about resilience now. And I, and I have to say, uh, I was um, with, a, uh, with a, a group of colleagues a, a couple of weeks back and uh, this colleague was saying, well, I think we've, we're, uh, we're actually, we've seen the death of resilience. You know, I don't know whether resilience is the right thing to be talking about. <laughs> yes. um, is this really the sort of conversation that we need to be having? And, and while I do appreciate some of the comments that she was making, I think that there's... You know, certainly there is a place, I mean, my feeling is that there is a place for us to be talking yeah. about resilience. So 
how do we define it? I've got some ideas, but I'd love to hear from you first. Well, even I at times get sick of hearing that word resilience because it means so many different things to so many different people. And I think what happens with parents is they'll take a snippet or a definition like bouncing back or thriving and they'll watch their kid in the middle of adversity and their kids are doing anything but bouncing back and thriving. In fact, they've got the covers over their head and they're refusing to go to school and that makes parents panic. They kind of say to themselves, you know, what's wrong with my kid? So when we're constantly looking for resilience in our kids, I think it can really set that bar too high. It is incredibly normal for our kids to go through times where they struggle. I really like the definition of adapting during difficult times, that capacity to adapt. But we have to remember how time consuming and emotionally draining it actually is to adapt. That's really hard work. So our kids are probably going to look like they're floundering when they're doing their very best work. Exactly. And I think too that there's that, I love the definitions of bouncing back, being able to bounce back, being able to um, navigate, you yeah. know, um, drawing on those previous successes and then saying, yep, you know, I've got this, I've got capacity, I've got skill and I've got yeah. capability and here are my resources and this is what I can do with them. Uh, so I, I think that too there's a lot of conversation around, you know, and I, I'm not necessarily... Um, I don't know how to put this nicely, <laughs> but um, <It's> okay. <laughs> people, people still say, oh, they're bo- you're either born with it or you're not. And I, yeah, I, don't, no. I don't subscribe to that. What no. do you think? No, not at all. Um, I, think, I think people are born with different optimism levels. Well, that's not the right word. Opt- they're... How, help me, Jackie, if that works. They're more they're, optimistic in their outlook. Perfect. That's, that's said beautifully. <laughs> I do think that's a real thing that comes into play with this. But I think we've got to remember that the end goal is, I don't think the end goal is resilience. I feel like it's a beautiful springboard for our kids. But I think if we look at it as the end goal, we're missing the whole point. I think the end goal is for our children to find their story and be able to connect it with the world and contribute to the world. And resilience is an important part of that, but it's sometimes in the the depths of our kids' struggles that they write the most precious stories as well. And also too, it's us as parents and the modelling that we have with our children and the way we deal with adversity and how we model resilience, all of that. I mean, we struggle. I mean, as adults, you you kind of hope you're better at it, right? But but we struggle too. Of course we do. And it's actually what we do as human beings. Struggle is, is core to human beings and we're going to have seasons where we look like we're coping a lot better than others. And, you know, like we're kind of alluding to, it's sometimes in those struggles that we're growing at double pace. And that's actually just a, I think we need to embrace that as human beings rather than try and shut it down or hurry up and get our kids to this point of thriving again. Letting them sit in that moment and learn from it is so important. Yeah. And it's a time thing, isn't it? Good things take time, you know, and we, we want to see instant results and we want to see these signs that our kids are going to be the superstars that we hope they're going to be. But the reality is, is really deep rooted, great things take time. And this thing called parenting takes a lot of patience. We can't keep looking at our kids and panicking that they're not growing fast enough and then digging them up and repotting them and repotting them here and <laughs> Yeah. You know, we, we actually, you know, we've med, read the manual right. You know, the bean seeds will grow. They just need some time to do it. And especially in these times, I was listening to just, you know, 
driving up to get some, you know, the milk, the milk and bread run this afternoon. Yeah. And uh, Christine Morgan, you know, the mental health commissioner, was on the radio. You know, she's being interviewed, and and she was saying, you know, they they're reporting higher incidents of, you know, people in distress and and mental mental stress, which you would expect at this time. I mean, Absolutely. anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was saying, you know, as adults, it's very difficult anyway because we've got this the unknown that we're dealing with, and I I think that makes resilience even even trickier at this time as well yeah that's right and we do draw on each other for support and that is the big part of resilience is the tribe that we build around our children and at the moment it's a little bit fragmented Um, there's a lot of uncertainty with that as well like you know what it looks like today can be very difficult different than a month's time you know victoria is a perfect example of that and so the strength that we often draw off or we i say like we borrow each other's resilience at times we borrow each other's calm and when we can't do that and we are in a position where we have to rely on our internal resources a bit more that just makes everything that little bit tougher and we need to give ourselves i guess the grace and the the room to just recognize that this is tough yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. Give yourselves a break, parents. <laughs> don't be don't be too don't be too hard on yourself. Um, just as we're um, you know, we're, we're better to continue with the conversation. If you do have any questions, please put them in the chat. Um, if you're watching us on Facebook Live, somebody is monitoring that for us. So if you do have questions or comments, please put them there, and uh, we will we will get to them um, uh, later on. Little little bit towards the end of the conversation. Yeah. Um, Michelle, who has inspired you by their example in your thinking on resilience in young people? I think our family influenced us the most, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad, you know. But I grew up in a really unusual home, I think. My dad was one of those really old school ministers and literally our home was like a drop-in centre. And so we had drug addicts and prostitutes and our meal table at home was literally like a current affair. And I can't tell you as a child, I mean, I look back at that and I think, mum and dad, what the heck were you thinking? Like, you know, safety wise, I'm like, oh my gosh. But I really did grow up in such an unusual way and and I guess got exposed to a lot of real life problems um, at a very young age and just accepted that our job in life was actually to help other people. And I think my dad and my mum, but I think particularly my dad had this capacity to be very strong and overcome things himself and it's so important that our kids don't see perfection in us but they see the capacity to overcome but he had this capacity to scoop other people up in the process and take them with him and i think that's had a really big effect on me yeah that's interesting i mean i, I you know i've obviously i think and i should i should say this a little bit louder because my folks are downstairs and they'll be able to hear me too <laughs> but <it>. we <laughs> love you I had to tell them to turn the television down a little while ago, um, but they, you know, but there's certainly that, you know, that parental example is yes. is so is so critical. When I was um, putting, when I put, we were putting our talking points together, I my brain automatically goes to sort of look, thinking more about the academic, you know, who are the people okay. that influence your thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really love the work of um, Emmy Werner in this in this field. You know, particularly talking about um, the role of school and the role of education and the place of school mm-hmm. as a as a as a point or as a place that actually nurtures resilience. And it's um, those caring adults, isn't it, in kids' lives that we have far less control than we realise and much more influence. And those people that stamp in our hearts in those key moments in our lives. I, I just don't think we can underestimate the power of that for kids. 
No, and it's those other significant adults. So, you know, identifying your mum and dad, absolutely, they're, they're very important, very important people in children's lives, young people's lives. But also to think about who are those other, you know, as parents, you know, I was thinking about who are those other influential, yeah. significant adults in my children's life. Yes. Um, that may or may not be family. So obviously, mm -hmm. you know, grandparents, aunts and uncles, so my siblings have, have mm -hmm. been have been uh, very influential, but it's also those other people. So it's, it is their teachers. It is those other close family friends that, that are, that have those roles as well. And I've just been, um, I'm writing another book at the moment and I've put out a survey for parents of tweens and tweens. And part of the survey was really talking about these support figures and who our kids really uh, look up to and have influence in their lives. And the family unit is obviously the core of that, but it's the people that we accept into our, I guess, extended family and that sphere of influence. And I think that concept of extended family could be a lot broader sometimes. And we could take a few more risks in allowing people close to our lives and our hearts and invest that little bit more of our time into that because there are times in kids lives where we're not the best person to talk to them about something and if they have a close relationship with an auntie or someone else in their life who can step into their world that's so powerful yeah. and it's um and it's useful for us as parents too to be able to bounce ideas off others and and have those connections and and you know those were older wiser heads that have been through this before you know yeah. um yeah. I, I love talking up, I call it. So talk to people who are at least 10 years older than me because they're in that slightly different season. And so they don't have the same perspective that my head has at that time. And I, I tend to like to do that in, in a career sense, but also in a parenting sense. And so many things we worry about as parents um, when our kids are like, you know, 7, 10, 12, when they're 24, that stuff just doesn't matter anymore. No, so I mean, someone said to me, "Don't sweat the don't don't sweat the the, the small stuff," you know. Easier said than done, though, isn't it? it and that's Everything so, feels like changing when you're a parent. You actually really want to do the best by your kids. But it's often good if you've got that little gem sitting there, you know, yes. those little words, and just use that time to have a bit of a break to think. Okay, you know, yeah. oh, right? Is this is this something I die in a ditch over, yeah. or is this something that I can, you know, let let slip, you know, for a little yeah. bit for, for the sake of the relationship, but also too as an opportunity for a young person to grow and work stuff out themselves, which yeah. is all part of that resilience story as well, yeah. isn't it? Oh, it is, and we want to. Um, we don't want to step in and fix everything, and we want to have this capacity to really trust our kids with their life journey, and believe that inside of them is the next best step. For them and that step will lead to another step and another step and they oftentimes can't solve everything at once and it's sometimes very big overwhelming things they're facing but if we can keep focusing them on the next best step and really recognize that that's already inside of them and our job is to help draw that out yep help them discover they're awesome i think that's a that's an important important role for us okay so moving on uh, what do you think, I mean, we talk a lot about you know, kids, these kids today aren't as resilient as they used to be or, you know, we had it tougher and, you know, they, all this sort of stuff, which, which, which is all true. As, it's as, all true. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, I'm sure every generation thinks that, though. They do, they, they do. Yeah. So, but what are the, some of the signs that, that you're seeing or you're hearing about where resilience might be being diminished a little bit? 
just not a capacity to regulate their emotions. I think that is something I'm consistently hearing from guidance officers and student support staff and principals that, especially coming back even from this corona time, that kids coming back into the schools in Queensland, there was just a lot of kids who are having a lot of trouble just regulating those emotions and keeping calm and and yeah they, were, they needed a lot of help with that so you know you can you can think about why that is on a lot of levels but I think some of it is just this fast-paced life that our kids live in and I don't know if anything we can necessarily offer them as parents can offset sometimes the the crazy lifestyle that our kids have and they're not having enough time to play and they're not having enough downtime and a lot of our kids are not even sleeping enough you know there's there's so many factors that are just keeping their lives moving all the time including technology mm-hmm. and the next part of the next part of the question you know which is, seems a bit sort of the <laughs> why are you asking that but it was you know are we facing more adversity now well yes Jackie we are of course we're facing some really big adversity now but before corona before corona right Mm -hmm. do you think that we were we are facing more adversity or is it just different stuff at the same level i think it's different stuff and i think because our world is changing at such a fast pace and we don't have reference points for some of the places that technology is taking us it, it is actually very difficult for parents to keep up with so I think a comparison to another generation is, is sometimes often useless because it's how we feel in this moment that actually matters. And parents are oftentimes struggling to adapt to, you know, the desires that our kids have to, to access technology at such young ages and, and to set boundaries within that. I don't see a generation of parents that are struggling to engage with their kids, love their kids, empathise with their kids, care for their kids. But I do see a generation of parents who are struggling to know where to set the boundaries. And I think because of that, I think we've got to recognise that boundaries have got a lot to do with resilience as well. When our kids come across absolutes that don't move, it actually makes them have to move and adapt. And I think it's so important that we recognise, just like, I guess, your poor liquid into a jug if there's a hole in the bottom of the jug it's going to leak out the other side and we have to be so balanced in our approach to resilience and there's such a range of things our kids need for us and if we just double down on one thing it's like we've got the liquid coming in but we've got a hole in the bucket on the other side yeah i think that uh, i think you know what you said about boundaries is so important you know the you know, the, the, you, hear, you hear it, you know, parents who are their children's friend, not their parent. I mean, this is a pretty unique job, right? You know, they've got friends. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. parent parenting is actually, you know, is actually our main game. Yeah. Um, and, and children thrive when, it, when they know that they can kick up or kick out and yeah. they find something, you know, yeah. they find that security. It might not be comfortable when that happens, you know, and it can be pretty awful, you know, at times a bit uncomfortable, but, you know, knowing that there's a boundary there is actually creating a sense of security and also, and, you know, it's also modifying, modifies behavior too. It says, you know, this stuff is acceptable. This stuff isn't acceptable. You know, there's a, there's some sort of, you know, socialization that's going on there as well. 
And do you know when we talked about in our previous interviews in charge energy and parents being able to show up with this this presence, this big person presence that actually says, "Hey, um, you know, I'm the boss here, and this is the way the train's running, <laughs> and this is where we're going." And it takes energy to do that. And I think sometimes amongst the busyness of life, it's so much easier to kind of like negotiate everything out with kids so we don't rock the boat. But there is something to be said for showing up to the table with all that kind of energy that says I'm I'm here to be the big person in your life and I'll take full ownership of of the direction of this. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. You mentioned that you said that you, you thought the biggest issue that children were facing in terms of um, growing their resilience was, was regulating their emotions, that emotional regulation. Do you think there's been um, a trend towards learning about and building up resilience as a priority. Um, why, why do you think that's happened? Obviously, we've identified needs and we've identified that our kids were struggling in it. I, I do find that our younger kids so often talk about anxiety and these, these really big, serious topics, like it's just like... <laughs> I've got anxiety or, you know, like, and they're, they're little, you know, and they, they have so much education and so much language around mental health, yet they don't have the life experience yet to go with it. And I think because of that, it is very easy for them to be maybe educated without the background of experience to balance that out too. And so, yeah, I think that can be a struggle for them. There's been a lot of focus on it, but sometimes what we focus on doesn't necessarily produce the outcomes we need the application and it's one thing that this whole corona thing has given our kids is an actual application for what we've been talking to them about no it, well it is a it's a, it's a learning moment or, or learning months as we might yes. as we might find and, you know, it's and a is, big learning moment a big big learning <laughs> big big learning moment yeah. uh could be going for some time so how do we practically build up resilience so what are some of your ideas around that yeah, I, I wrote an ebook on how to how to's with resilience, and maybe we can offer that to people afterwards. It's got about five little videos in it, and and six strategies. And like I said before, I feel like this balance approach is so important because it's things like um, like validating trusting and not fixing celebrating the right things with our kids bringing the calm in the heat of the moment and helping i guess role model how to regulate emotions keeping that tribe around them setting boundaries all of those things to me are equally important and if we can do to do our best to create that kind of balanced network around our kids i feel like it's a great baseline for building resilience Mm. I, I like I like the role of you know the special role of a parent as as the coach you know yeah. in that sense in helping your children identify what the strengths are what's working mm. what works well in, yeah. in their lives um, and particularly to you know at this time we've talked about tricky friendships before yeah. Yeah. Um, helping you know we've got time now to have those conversations with our kids you know? yeah. we've got time to think about how and talk to them about how those relationships with those tricky friends might be panning out. Um, and so to be able to identify what it is that makes a good friend, you know, and have that conversation with our children while we've got time to do that. Yeah. Seems to me like a pretty good use of the time that we've got too. And it takes time, doesn't it? And it also takes us harnessing our bystander energy. It's like looking on at a child playing a sports game and wanting to yell instructions from the sideline um, and, and get overly involved when it's their game and they've got to play it. 
And it takes such a lot of, I guess, self-control sometimes, especially when we're feeling afraid that they are going to fall in their face and really hurt themselves, to actually take that big breath and this big step back and actually just ground ourselves and recognize that, oh, I just keep saying it to parents, inside of them is the next best step. And if we can actually help draw that out, you know, when you're talking to older ones, you're talking about, you know, what information are you missing? <laughs> you know, what are your options? What worked best last time? Um, how can I best support you? Not how can I do it for you? All those things can actually help have conversations that draw those things out. Yeah. The other part I like too about the potential for that is mm -hmm. to is to really be mindful and purposeful about noticing when our children do the adult thing, you know, do yeah. the great <laughs> I see some maturity. Yeah. That's right. But I mean, but not to sort of, you know, not not no not to, oh, oh mum is just so embarrassing, don't say that. But but more <laughs> which which can I just say guilty. I've done yeah. that I've done that many oh. times. <laughs> I know, uh, but just to be able to say just quietly, you know, to them to acknowledge that, you know, what you, oh, I've noticed what you did there. And the small know, things. Very it's small, small things. things. It's easy to celebrate the certificate and the this and the, you know, the exam result or, you know, those obvious achievements, but it's, it's whispering in their ear about the small things and it's placing value because when they need that grit and when the going gets tough, it's actually those small things that are very big things. It's the small things that magnify during those times. So it, I think there's just such value in whispering in on those small things. And even when we see our kids take care of themselves you know and, and actually retreat because they need to bring some calm around their life they're sometimes the things that we can really pick up on because they're such important skills in life oh you're absolutely right i think the other thing too is that you know i often have conversations with people about how how do your children know or how do you you know as you often students student talking about students but you know as parents how do your children know that they are competent at something yeah. You know, do we do we take the time? And I, you know, I think back to when you know I, you know those those milestone moments. You know, when you learn how to tie your shoelaces, when you yeah. pack your bag for the first time, when you do all of those those firsts that mm -hmm. are where you're learning things and you're and you're gaining skill and competence. How do you know that? Now, as adults, we know. You know, as adults, you you, you can have those little internal fist pump moments. You go, yeah, nailed it, did it. But how do we teach our children that? They've achieved yeah. that competence, yeah? And do you think they know? Because what I think it does in their little hearts is they have these moments of joy where who they are kind of is very present in their world and they're taking that next best step. And you can see when young people are not in the future, worrying about the future and scrolling in there and, and not worrying about the past, but they're actually really present in their here and now. You can see that joy come into their life. And I think resilience has got so much to do with validating and being in the here and now moment, even if it is a sad moment, um, and, and really just um, embracing where they're at so they can use it as a next step to leverage forward. Yeah. And just on that, you know, that sad moment, you know, there's life, you know, you say, oh, optimistic mindset and, you know, yeah. and that, and which is, you know, which is all, all really oh, important, right? And you've got to, and you have to work pretty hard. You have to work pretty hard at it, right? Yeah. Um, but even in those sad moments, it, there's there, you can still be optimistic, mm -hmm. even in those sad times. Yeah. It you can you can you can feel 
sadness you can grieve and at the very same time you can feel gratitude and hope and it's not either or and it's not black and white and i think that's the beautiful thing about the complexity of the human spirit is that it's actually really healthy for us to have that ability to adapt between those two things so it's not you know either or it's both and that bothness is is very powerful and and getting through those sad and tough times mm-hmm. you know they're going to happen again, right? So if you get through one one yeah. phase or one event or series of events uh, and you can look back on it and talk to your children about it and say, look, you know what, look how far we've come and look at what we've learned and yeah. look at how it's changed us for the better. And so that we're not hurrying those moments, Jackie. Like I think sometimes we're so keen on being resilient, you know, or getting to the outcome. Like it is some outcome and it's not, but we're so keen on that, that we actually forget to really sit in those moments and help our kids forge and etch this story on their hearts that actually could be so meaningful for the people around them in the future. And without that depth of moment, you can't really write a story that's got power and meaning. Exactly. And at this time, you know, where we're going through some pretty, you know, pretty tough times, uh, you know, we've got families that have lost work. We've got, um, you know, people not able to go and be with loved ones and family because, yeah. you know, because of lockdown and so on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there are tough times. There's, there, there are opportunities there, I think, for, for parents to work with those, uh, those situations as well. Yeah. But listen, um, the power of no. <laughs> I, look, I do talk about no quite a bit in my work because I've come from a background where, um, you know, I guess as a teacher too, behaviour management is just, you know, part of what's in your DNA. And I've spent a lot of time in alternative learning schools where kids' behaviour was anything but, you know, <laughs> good. And I've walked into classrooms where kids have got their fists ready to go at each other and they're jumping on chairs. And so it's been a part of my world, I think. And I think sometimes parents, you know, they, they validate, 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 and they, they feel like they, they need to sort of be in the moment of their kids' emotions, but they don't realise the power of being the big person in their kid's life and that that brings actually such security and stability with it. And at all times, if you can say yes, say yes, because your kids need this variety of life experience to learn. And I think I said yes to as much as I could, even, even you know, sometimes where other parents were saying no, because I saw the power in my kids actually having the life experience. But when it's a safety issue or a well-being issue, and that's influenced by a lot of things, you know, like you know, the birth order of my child influences that, um, our culture, you know, our family values, the, ki- the age of our kids. But if you do have to say no, parents, say it big and bold and, and don't be apologetic for it, but scoop your arms around your kid at the same time and recognise that that can be really difficult for them. Exactly. And while we've got this, you know, um, imposed pause, you know, and, and things have slowed down a little bit, the power of no, when things do start to get busy again, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's okay to say no to enforce the break, you know, so there is that it's, break from the busyness of things. Because yeah, yeah. if, you know, they don't regulate, <laughs> they're not able to regulate because everybody's busy around them. Mm-hmm. You know, you being that, you know, that, that 
that breaker, you know, that circuit breaker is really important. And we're modelling for our kids all the time. I mean, great relationships about healthy boundaries, but that can be really hard to actually set in real life if we're, our kids are not comfortable in saying no. And so when I talk to, you know, girls about sexting or whatever it be in a high school, I'll say, if you say no in the same way you'd say no to your mum if she asked you to clean your room, you'll be totally fine. And it's recognising that it's okay for our kids in social settings or whatever there's times when no is actually a really healthy thing yeah and that whole um i don't know whether you remember the the experiment seeing the experiment about the marshmallows you know the delayed gratification yeah. all over tiktok at the moment oh look i was, know it was yeah, but yeah. it's worth it's worth googling that there's there's plenty of youtubes youtubes yeah. but um you know those little ones saying that they could say no to the marshmallow yes. in, the, in the in the time that they were yeah. you know, left yeah. alone with it yes. um the studies had shown longitudinally that those yeah. those those young people when as they grew up were, were had better life outcomes they were yeah. had stronger, the stronger will like my kids awesome <laughs> said no to the marshmallow said no to the marshmallow oh, like, I mean, if it was that easy if we if, if parenting was that easy jackie if if you know a plus b really conclusively equal C, we'd be totally fine, wouldn't we? Exactly. But it's also what we model as parents too, that if we don't say no to things or we don't have the, uh, we don't build that sense or that yeah. understanding of working mm -hmm. towards something, you know, for the reward rather than it just being instant, you know, click and, click and pay or click and zip yeah. pay or, you know, after pay, all those sorts of things. And while there might be a bit of a boom for real, you know, for uh, retail at the moment, it's, probably not a really good example <laughs> to be setting for our kids all the time i think one that we can really do in our homes is i think as as women as a and as mums we tend to say yes even when we know we're hitting i guess a ceiling or a wall in ourselves and we tend to feel i don't know if shame is the a too big a word but like like we should not have any limitations on our capacity and that we should be able to just keep going and we should be just endless and i think when we can really clearly articulate to our kids no i need a night off tonight or you're going to have to do that yourself or i need you to you know pick that up for me so i can stop i think that's really powerfully modeling to our kids mm -hmm. um that you know as human beings we all have a capacity yeah i think my kids found out that i what where my capacity level was quite regularly i was <laughs> very open with telling them i was exhausted and, that, and, and and that was it that was it for the for the day or the <laughs> night <laughs> um what what um so when you're speaking to young people yes uh who are going through a pretty difficult situation. Yeah. How do you navigate that conversation to help them build their resilience? So I'm going to ask that for you when you're talking to young people, okay, but yeah. then what can we, what advice can you offer parents when they're having yeah. that conversation? Let's, let's go back to, okay, let's, let's talk about what it means to really validate where a kid's at first, because I think conversation always starts with listening. And there is just such power being able to sit in the shoes of a young person for a while and really deeply feel where they're at to the point where you're able to articulate their internal dialogue back to them. Because that's where a lot of trust is built when someone believes that someone truly gets them and feels them on a really deep level. And so I think it needs to start there. It needs to start in that listening. Um, and from that point, we've talked a little bit in this interview about the next best, best step. 
but really making sure we don't take that power away from them in our conversations because we so often want to come in and give our suggestions and be the expert on the issue but actually really help draw out of them what they think the next best step is and be able to offer them your advice as they ask for it and help actually reference where else they might seek advice, but to lead them to a point where they can make a decision that comes out of them. That's a positive one for them as well. And that's a powerful thing to be able to do with a young person. No, that, they're good. that's all, all really good advice. So we've got an interesting question, which I think kind of fits quite nicely into where we're at at the moment. Right. Yes. Um, and it's about, and I've got to put my specs on to read this. Um, so from Facebook, what advice would you give secondary school students feeling anxious about their future careers? Oh, that, that does sit, fit, sit nicely, doesn't it? Because anxiety takes our minds into the future and, and races ahead of ourselves and that next best step is all about helping young people being grounded in the here and now and I might not know what my career is going to be I might not know you know x y and z but these are things that I can know and these are things that I am sure of and this is what's in my hand to use right now and so I guess if I was speaking to a young person who was really anxious about the future, helping bring them into the here and now and just make small, micro, little decisions that are going to keep the ball rolling. It's much easier to keep momentum or keep a stone rolling rather than get a stone that's stagnant rolling. And when young people put up their hands and it does get so overwhelming that they're not making those little steps, that's when they often come unstuck and you'll find them on the couch a year after grade 12 because they've become stagnant and they haven't been able to make those little decisions along the journey. So I hope that helps. But our year 12 <laughs> students, look, at, on a personal level, I have a, a kid finishing uni this year who's done engineering and um was really you know in the last round of interviews for a lot of you know the big companies that have all cancelled their internship programs and employment prospects are, are looking very different and I've, I've watched him go for a job interview about a month ago with so many other kids because the competition is high and the pressure is on and it is an anxious time for them um, so I, I do I guess on a personal level and from a mum I do really understand that this generation of kids or this year of kids ending uni and school, um, they have unusual pressure on them. Exactly. And I think too that the, uh, the nature of careers is, has changed significantly too. Yeah, so, and, and it will change again. I was reading, uh, reading in the paper, you know, talking about the, the, the post-COVID skill set, you know, yeah. uh, what, what will that look like or what are they? And uh, yeah. I think the nature of work is going to change so much. I mean, you know, a number of people have been saying, you know, oh, look, I, I mean, I say this about myself, you know, I would never have imagined doing what I'm doing now, you know, 10 years ago, let alone, or last year or the year before, yeah. let alone when I was finishing school. So and this is what we're saying, isn't it? The world is changing so quickly it's no no wonder we all scramble to keep up with it sometimes it is quite a fast moving place could I just bring out a point Jackie I, I said um, about their stresses I used a word it's more that it's been an unexpected change hasn't yeah. it yeah and so they were all kind of had their you know xyz of leaving school mapped out and that's been blown out the water. And it's the unexpectedness of all this that's actually really kind of thrown a spanner in the works. And 
And for some of them, there is no sure place to put their foot right now. So they just have to keep it moving forward the best they can. Mm. And we were taught you, that's so true. I mean, there's just been so, so much that hasn't happened. Uh, and there's been a, you know, it's a real sense of grief. We've talked about this before, yeah. that, that yeah. sense of grief that they, they haven't had the, the last swimming carnival, the athletics carnival, the, you know, the, the big assemblies, the musicals, the, all these sorts of things that they would have been part of you yeah. know, in that last year of school uh, yeah. haven't happened for them, yeah. Um, I even know that um, the universities and colleges and, and TAFEs are all having virtual open days. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're still happening. So just to even be part of that, I think, yes. is, is something that's useful, you know. Mm. Um, but also, too, to the parent who's asking that question, you know, the schools do have good careers, you know, good careers, counsellors, good good people in in place to be able to have these sorts of discussions. Um, and they don't need to be making decisions about careers now. You know, this is, it's as uh, Michelle's been saying, it's the next best step. So whatever that is, yeah. <laughs> it might be something quite, you know, quite different, quite small, but it's not a, it's not a, a life-changing decision right now. I think as long as they, they're putting their foot forward all the time, we can kind of let go of it getting to a, a, a big conclusion too quickly but it's when the the momentum stop for them and they they're finding themselves very stagnant and even fearful to put their foot anywhere that worries me most of all and, and that's the that's the time you know probably pre that and maybe you know how you're talking about getting support with you know guidance counselors or careers counselors to help that process it's all things we do preemptively to stop the stone stopping you know the rolling yeah. stopping yeah exactly and a lot of those people are all doing those interviews and and uh and and you know um counseling and coaching sessions by video call so yeah, yeah. um you know make make the appointment and and make sure that um your your child gets in contact with whoever's doing that or leading that work in the school that's really important um and do encourage we've got a few more points that we wanted to talk about but i do encourage if anybody does have questions pop them up in the chat um because we do have time we'd love to address them while we've got michelle online with us um, Michelle, moving to communication strategies and conversations that boost resilience. What mm -hmm. what does work and what doesn't work? So, what could, what should we avoid and what should we be doing more of? Yeah. Okay. I think projecting too much of our expectations on kids can be really dangerous. And so, you know, like when I was teaching seeing young people who are really struggling in school and how much their parents just desperately wanted to fix it. You know, they desperately wanted them to be able to read and these kids were in grade four and five and still struggling with reading and parents were like, just tell me what to do and we'll do it. Tutoring every afternoon of the week, where's, where's the cure here? Let's fix it. And I think sometimes in our communication and in our anxiety as parents, wanting the best for our kids, we can give our kids messages that they're not enough the way they are. And it just leaves them feeling like there's a deficit or a lack in them that they have to strive to fill, where oftentimes it's actually not true. We're just putting something on their shoulders that they're not often ready to carry at that point. And so being very, very mindful of projecting our expectations on kids um, is, is, I think, a big part of this. And in our conversations, I actually think we do it a lot, you know, what are you going to be when you leave school? And you know, <laughs> all the things we do is we set expectations that sometimes um, kids are just not ready to meet. 
Yeah, no, that, that's, that, they're good points. So um, I think we're, we're sort of pretty close to, to wrapping up. So I think, Michelle, your, your takeaways on resilience. So what, what are the big things that we should be, as parents, we should be mindful of when we're, when we're talking to our children? That struggling is normal. Mm -hmm. That there's not necessarily anything wrong that you need to fix with a child if they're going through a moment or an extended period of time where they are struggling. But what they need most of all from us is that time is is this ability to come into their space and to really validate the human experience and help them take the next best step. So that's that's really, I think, the guts of what we've talked about. Awesome. And can I remind people too that uh, we've got a brand new website, uh, Victorian Parents Council website. So please check that out. There's uh, lots of great information there. Uh, there's uh, being updated with new events and new things that are on. Then um, also to encourage you to check out Michelle's uh, website, michellemitchell.org. She has a book out as well there's a book there um there's the ebook that michelle was talking about before yes. that you can download so what are the details for that one michelle um i don't have them on me could i maybe pop it in the comments yes. section of this post i can get it straight after this interview fantastic but it's fantastic. some fancy link jackie that i don't have on the top of <laughs> someone okay. will know it <laughs> someone will know it someone will it Someone may already have Googled it and found it and put it up there. But, but if, you, if you check back on our Facebook post at the end of, end of this, um, Michelle will put that up for us, which would be great. And also too, Michelle, we're interested to hear a little bit about the work that you're doing on the research for tweens. So, yeah, I'm so um, excited about it. Mm. We've had um, almost 16, well, 1,600 or 1,600 parents um, participate in the survey. And that's actually on my website. Um, and we have a survey for tweens that's going through schools at the moment and, and parents have the opportunity to participate in that. So maybe I can link that on my page underneath this. I'll share this and link it too. But be if parents in Victoria sitting around with their kids want something to do, I want to hear from them. <laughs> Awesome. So I've got the specs back on. Oh, we've got the, uh, Jer Jerry has very kind. See, look at this, the power of social media. Someone's found it. MichelleMitchell.org <laughs> forward slash every day. Oh, that's my book. Dash resilience. Yes, that's oh, <laughs> your book. Jerry, <laughs> you're a champion. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, um, I'll get the free ebook link too. It's a free book link as well. That'd be great. Um, Michelle, thank you so much for your time this evening. It's been wonderful chatting. Thank you to everybody online uh, who's participated, watching us on Facebook. Um, like it, comment, share it, uh, and uh, look forward to seeing you again, Michelle, because I think we're yeah. going to be doing another VPC Live with you of, shortly. Of course we are. Wonderful. Okay, good night, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you to our guest speaker. We hope you enjoyed today's topic. Want to know more about this podcast and other VPC podcasts? Please visit the VPC website, vicparentscouncil.vic.edu.au and leave a review. We would also welcome you to contact us if you would like to be our guest or if you have a topic around parenting and education. Thank you to Melbourne singer Emma Sydney for her permission to use her soundtrack, Cherish. Until next time, thank you for listening.